Midnight McKedem concert. Coffee hasn't sunk in yet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Adonai. You'll have to forgive me if I don't make eye contact with you during this teaching, in this hearing. I try to stay focused on the Spirit of God and not the people. So if I don't look at you in the eye, eye to eye, it's not personal. The only one I'll look eye to eye in is my beloved up here. So I get inspired. Hallelujah. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the way maker, Adonai. You are the way maker. You are the way maker. You make a way where there is no way, Adonai. You make a way where there is no way. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's stand up and sing it out. Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. You make a way, Adonai. You make a way where there's no way. Waymaker, miracle worker. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Blessed is your name, Father. Blessed is your name. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Holy One, Holy One, Holy One, You are here, you are here, moving in our midst, and I worship you, hallelujah, I worship you, we worship you. You are here, working in this place. Yes, I do. And I worship you. Hallelujah. I worship you. Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Yeshua, that is who you are. We bless your name, we bless your name as one as a God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Glory to you, glory to you, glory to you, glory to you, Father. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. 
Father, people come to these classes with notebooks, but we're not here today out of night just to get information to go, oh, that was very interesting. Let me write that down. Oh, that was interesting. I'll write that down. I'll take a look at that a little later. Father, today we're interested in you writing something on the notebook in our hearts out of night. We're interested in you with the, with the pen of the Holy Spirit to write on the, on the notebook in our hearts, Adonai, because even Paul said that we are epistles known and read by men. So Adonai, today we're not interested in information to say, oh, well, that was nice. Okay, that was really good. I'm going to write that down. We're interested, Adonai, in you writing on the notebook in our hearts with permanent ink what you would have us take away from this, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. The conference folks, I, I, I reached out to them a few months ago, like three months ago. I said, hey, you have any openings? I'm available. For some reason, some crazy reason, I'm no longer Brian Samuel, the guy that carries Sue Samuel's guitar on music trips. I'm now Rabbi Brian Samuel against my will. About five years ago, my rabbi, Rabbi Peter, at an elders meeting, and I was an elder at the congregation. We're sitting around the table, and Rabbi Peter said, I have an announcement to make. I'm moving to Haiti. Because our congregation supports an orphanage there. And we're like, okay, what does that mean for us? And there was another elder at that table. That elder's actually in this hearing today. And he said, this elder said to Rabbi Peter, well... Who's going to be the rabbi? What's going to happen to us? I don't want to be a sheep without a shepherd. What's going to happen? And Rabbi Peter said, do you really want to know? And just like Naomi and Ruth, when Ruth said, I'm sticking with you, and Naomi said, no, go back, no, no, no. And Ruth said, no, gotta, I'm going with you. And Naomi said, no, 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 go back to your people. And Ruth said, no, I'm sticking with you. And she said, no, no, no. Go. And the Jewish... Tradition came about like if a Gentile wants to convert to Judaism, you got to ask three times. If they ask three times, he must be serious. So this one elder said, Who, who's going to be the rabbi? I don't want to be a sheep without a shepherd. And the rabbi said, do you really want to know? And then the elder said, yes, I really want to know. And the rabbi said twice, do you really want to know? It's like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I really want to know. And Rabbi Peter said, okay. Brian and Sue are going to lead the congregation. See ya! That was the first time Sue and I heard of that. Right there at that elders meeting. Talk about our walk from glory to glory, right? That is the topic, right? You never know when you're going to enter into another glory in your walk. But there's a really amazing lesson in that, that God doesn't... What's, what's the expression? God doesn't call... The equipped, he equips who he calls. And isn't that the truth? Because all of a sudden you're walking on your journey without an eye, and all of a sudden he calls you to do something that, number one, you don't think you can, and number two, you have no interest in doing. But you can't get out of it. Because you know, like, if you disobey it, you're disobeying really what the Lord has for you. So all you got to do is say, like, Adonai, I have nothing to give into this thing. And he says, good, I could work with that. I could work with your nothing. When Susie and I were in New Jersey for 11 years under Rabbi Jan Rosenberg, 
fabulous rabbi. He said, God will be everything and you're nothing. When you're nothing, he'll be your everything. He'll be your all. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So here I am today as Rabbi Brian Samuel. And also still Brian Samuel who carries Sue Samuel's guitar. Which is what I love to do more than anything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time. We can just worship for the next hour and just call it a day, can't we? Hallelujah. 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 See, this can be as easy or as difficult as you want to make it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Altar to altar, glory to glory. So three months ago, I went to the conference folks. I said, you know, I'm available if you want, to, if you have a spot. And they said, okay, I need three topics. And we'll choose the topic. I said, topic? Three months in advance? How am I supposed to know what I want to talk about in three months? I don't know what I'm going to talk about until like Shabbat is approaching. I mean, God bless the rabbis who have it all laid out all year. Every Shabbat I speak and every Sunday I go, Adonai, what do you want to talk about this coming Shabbat? Open notebook. So you're asking me to what I want to talk about in three months from now? I, I, I don't know. Can I tell you like a week before the conference? He said, no, you got to tell us now. So I did what every, every spiritual, very highly spiritual person does when they really have no idea what to say or what to, how to answer something and you really need to seek and press in. I did what every spiritual person would do at that time. I went on to Facebook. Because my congregation, Mishkan David in Rhode Island, uh, we have a beautiful little community on Facebook where we encourage each other and we take all the yucky, yuckiness out of Facebook and we just love on each other and it's, I really love to see that. So I go to my little, see our congregation is Mishkan, like which means tabernacle, so we, we call each other Mishfits. So I say, hey Mishfits, the conference people want me to give them topics and I have no idea. What do you guys think? So then, like, one person would say, well, when you spoke about this, it was kind of cool. I'm like, perfect, send it to the conference. The other person, well, you spoke about this, it was kind of cool. Perfect, send it to the conference. This was one of them. So we are believing that the Lord, our God, our maker, our way maker, our promise keeper, has a word for us today that he wants all of us to take away. All of us crazies who are here at a nine o'clock in the morning class after a midnight McKedem concert. Surely, Father, you have a word for us today. In the name of Yeshua, we come before you. He is the way maker. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Adonai. Our Messiah is awesome. Our Messiah is awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, altar to altar, glory to glory. Second Corinthians 18 verse 3 says, our faces are unveiled. Unveiled. And with that unveiled face, we look eye to eye, right through a glass or through a mirror, unto the glory of the Lord. We see the glory of the Lord unveiled. And you are being transformed, it says, into that same 
image from glory to glory. So the, the journey from glory to glory is our journey from where we are, wherever we are at. Whatever that starting point is, our journey is from that point to the end point of the image of God, the image of the Messiah. Let me repeat the verse. We look at the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face, and we are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Messiah Yeshua fulfills all of the Torah. Yeshua is not the end of the Torah. He fulfills the whole thing. He's the fulfillment of everything. He brings the fullness to the Torah, to the prophets. He fulfills everything. So every little jot and tittle that's in there speaks of him. So in the beginning, Bereshit, it says that man was created in the image of God. And, and, and every man, every woman, every individual is created in the image of God. Everybody. From the unborn to the old, wherever you are in this world, you have the image of God within you. But even that has its fullness in Mashiach. Because it says in the New Testament that Yeshua is the image of the invisible God. So he fulfills that also. And we are, it says, transformed into his image from glory to glory. So even though every human being bears the image of God, this in spirit is fully fulfilled when Yeshua comes into our hearts and we are transformed into his image. So you are transformed into his image, glory to glory and glory to glory and glory to glory. Oh, it's a journey, isn't it? Who was it? I think it was uh, Rabbi Jake Rosenberg that said that, you know, you, you, you accept the Lord and, you know, some evangelist will come to you and say, you know, you got to accept the Lord, you know, because I know that your life stinks, you know, and you accept the Lord and everything's just going to be great. And you're like, hallelujah, I'm in because I agree that my life stinks. What he doesn't tell you is once you accept the Lord, things are going to get a whole lot worse because now everything that you thought was okay is not okay anymore. Because the Torah becomes alive once you accept him. Because in and of itself, the Torah is like, in and of itself, it's like, okay, you're not supposed to do this. Okay, I get it conceptually. It's kind of like our, the notebooks that we bring with us versus the notebook in our heart. You know, it's like, okay, there it is. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do it. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes into you and makes these things alive. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't do that anymore. Like, oh my gosh, it's not acceptable for me to do this. So you go through... A breaking and reforming and a breaking and reforming and a breaking and reforming process. It's not an easy walk, this glory to glory thing, is it? But the end result is the image of God. It's the image of his son, which he saw in you from the beginning. There's a parable, and there could be many translations of parables, but Yeshua spoke of the parable of the kingdom, where the, parable, where the, where the kingdom of God is like a field. And, and, and this one goes into the field, and he sees a treasure in the field. He's like, oh my gosh, there's a treasure. There's a treasure in this field. So he buries the treasure, and he sells everything he has to purchase the field. 
I mean, you can ask all the theologians all you want what that means, but I'm going to tell you what it means in my spirit. You are the field. The treasure in the field is his image in you. It's hidden in there. It's the fullness of who you are in him. But it's in the field and it's hidden. So the purchaser, Yeshua, is the purchaser. And he sees the treasure that is in you. The treasure that is in you. Which is him in you. And him in you. And him in you. That's the treasure in your field. And it's hidden there. So he sells everything. That means he gave his life. So he sells everything. That means you were bought with a, with a, with a great price, as it says, to purchase that field. Do you understand? Do you understand? You are the field. The glory took the glory journey that he's bringing you on and what he sees. Thank you, Adonai, that you are a God that sees from beginning to end all at the same time. Because, because you see from beginning to end all at the same time, you don't see where we are today because you know we have glory to glory to glory to glory that we haven't caught up to yet because we're in this kind of linear time, that kind of thing. We're just going from glory to glory like that. But you, Adonai, are in all time at the same time so you see the end result of what you have purchased. And when you, Adonai, see us and this field, you see the image of your son which you are bringing us into, which you are transforming us into from glory to glory, as it says. Because when Yeshua, the purchaser, purchased the field, how many people know that they're a field? And how many people feel like in their field there's a whole lot of weeds? Anybody feel they got a lot of weeds in their field? Anybody feel that they got a lot of infertile or unfertile? Susie corrects my grammar. Infertile or unfertile? Infertile. How many people feel that in their field they have infertile soil? Soil that isn't producing much. How many feel that in their field they have a lot of rocks? Here's the good news. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. When he purchased the field, he purchased the whole thing. He purchased the weeds he purchased the sand. He purchased the rocks. And our walk from glory to glory is him getting to a certain point and saying, okay, it's time for this rock to be taken out. They don't tell you that when the evangelist first came to you and said, you got to accept the Lord and everything's going to be great. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. Altar to altar, glory to glory. Altars, Glory. Okay, so the subtitle of this was, uh, what can we learn from the, from the walk of the patriarchs, most specifically Abraham, Abra Abraham Avinu, Abraham our father. And what can we learn from his walk that's, that we can learn in our walk from glory to glory? See, when you walk a lot, you're going to trip over lights. Thank you, Adonai. Apparently, McKedem needed a light show. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All right. So Genesis 12 to 13 is the beginning of the walk of Avram. 
Abraham, Avram, Abram, our father. And it starts out by saying that Avram had to leave the house of his fathers, had to leave his relatives, he had to leave his country. And God said, and go to the place that I will show you. That's not very helpful. When you're going somewhere, it's very helpful to know where you're going to. You already know where you're going from. Everybody knows at 10 o'clock they'll be leaving this class. I don't need God to tell me. At 10 o'clock, you'll be leaving Hostetler Chapel in the place with the tan walls, with the big steeple on top of the building, we don't, with the exit sign over there, with the bathrooms over there. I don't need to know where I am. It's more helpful, God, if you tell me where I'm going to. But Abraham, the start of his walk, God is very specific in where he's taking, out, taking him from, and he doesn't give him a clue where he's going to. Hello, walk of faith. Hello, walk of faith. Hello, walk of faith. Hello, walk of faith. So he tells him where he's going from. He doesn't tell him where he's going to, which essentially means go, and I'll tell you when you get there. Uh, all right. Which way? That way? How about this way? So here's what happened. Here's, here's 12 and 13 Genesis. Did I say Exodus? If I did, I meant Genesis. Genesis 12 and 13, in a nutshell, he leaves that place where he was. The first stop was Shechem. And at that point, God said, I'm going to, um, 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 I'm going to uh, increase your descendants. He built an altar. Keeps moving on. I don't, I don't, I'm not the greatest in geography. I don't know how long it took him to get to the next place. Walking. But he went from Shechem to Bethel. And there he called upon the name of the Lord. And he built an altar. At that point, a famine came to the land which represents dryness, which represents barrenness, which can represent like a spiritual disconnect, famine. Heads off to Egypt, also not a good thing when you think spiritually. Has this little issue there where Pharaoh wanted to shack up with his hot 90-year-old wife, wherever, what, how old she was. How many hot 90-year-olds do we have in this place? Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Goes to... Goes to um, Egypt, uh, and Pharaoh wants to shack up with his uh, hot 90-year-old. says, that's it, out of there. He gets kicked out of there. Winds up going back to the exact same place, to the exact same altar he built in Bethel. Continues on, winds up going to Hebron, and he gets a new revelation. He says, take a look north, south, east, west. This is, your, this is all yours, man. I'm giving all of this to you. If you can even count the sand that you're seeing, that's how many descendants you're going to have. So what does this mean? It means that every time, so his journey, number one, was a walk of faith. Started out, God told him where he's going from, whoop-de-doo, and he didn't tell him where he's going to. So he starts to walk. Once he got revelation, once God spoke to him and said that, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Once he heard from the Lord, he built an altar. This is very important. He built an altar. When he had an encounter with the Lord, he built an altar. Moved on from there, glory to glory. He moved on from there, went to Bethel. New revelation, new relationship with God. He called upon the name of the Lord for the first time. Built an altar. 
moved on from there, went to this, had this famine in Egypt experience, came back to where he was, moved on, got new revelation from God. You, you can count the sand on the, or that you're seeing in this here desert. You, you look around to the north, south, east, and west. It's all going to be yours. New revelation, new relationship with God, new download from God, and he built an altar. I believe that on our journey from glory to glory, which is where we are, into the fullness of the image of God that he has placed within us, God is saying in this hearing, don't forget to build altars on your journey. Don't forget to mark. Don't forget to remember when God spoke to you. Because our journey from glory to glory, like we always look at ourselves as messed up. And when we reach a new level of relationship with God or when he conquers a sin within us that has easily beset us for many years, our human tendency is to just forget about it and to move on and to just say, okay, well, that's it, and I'm going to move on. But I believe that God wants us to mark when he spoke to us. Maybe this is a better time to actually take out those real notebooks and mark when he spoke to us so we don't forget. Psalm 103 says, and my beloved wrote a beautiful song about it, Barachin Adonai. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bechol Karavayat Shem Kacho. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And what? Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget his benefits. And then the psalmist goes, okay, well, if you forgot, I'm going to list him. He's redeemed me. He's loved me. He's surrounded me with compassion. He's taken me out of the pit. He starts to list all the things, all the little altars. You know what altars are? They're like little glory markers in our journey from glory to glory. And why, should, why does God want us to, to put altars up, I believe, and why does he want us to mark? Oh my gosh, God, you've rescued me from this. I'm going to tell you what, when we look at our journey from glory to glory, when we look out there, you know what we see? We see a lot of desert. And we see the image of God and we behold the one who, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfect spotless lamb of God. And we're like, I'm being transformed into the image of the one that is spotless? Because when I see myself, all I see are a whole lot of spots. I'm being transformed into the one who is without blemish. When I look at myself, all I see is blemish. When I look at myself, all I see is blemish. In Yeshua's name, that is not how God wants you to look at yourself. The one who knew no sin became sin. So your identity now is the righteousness of God. He took on the blemish so you can be unblemished. So you are his righteous, so you can be the righteousness of God. But when we look at our journey, we look at, I mean, I'm sitting over here and I see an exit sign over there. Like, like imagine if that was like way out there. That's, that's how we see how far we have to go. We take a look at our sins and we take a look at where we are and how far we have to go. And we get frustrated like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just, I just don't add up. I just don't add up. I'm just going to stay here at the foot of the cross and I'm going to hold on to it for, like, for dear life and I'm going to just stay here and I'm not budging. The purpose of the altars is for you to look behind you. Because when you built an altar, when God has delivered you, 
When you built an altar, when God spoke to you, when you, give an, when you build an altar, when God has revealed more of himself to you like Abraham did in altar number two in Bethel, oh, I know the name of the Lord now. I'm going to call him something that I've never called him before. When you have greater revelation, a greater insight into who he is, when he has downloaded something amazing and magical and mystical and wonderful into you, and when he has delivered you from something that you've been struggling with, and you built that altar, when you're on your journey and all you see is a whole lot of desert before you, turn around. And you will see the markers that you have put up in the past. And you will say, thank you, God. Because when I look ahead, all I see is a whole lot of desert. All I see is a whole lot of sand. All I see is how far I still have to go. But when I look at the altars that I've already built, I say, thank you, Lord. You have been faithful to me. And when I see the altar to altar to altar, glory to glory, when I turn around and see it, I have the strength and the faith to move forward. Because I remember now what he's done for me in the past. And I guarantee, I don't know the story of anyone here, but I guarantee if you kind of turn around and you remember, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what God has delivered me from. When the psalmist said there's no like pit too deep, he wasn't kidding. Because I was in the pit as deep as you can get, yet his arm... Zroat Adonai, the arm of the Lord, still came down and rescued me. So I believe the word that the Lord wants to write on the notebooks of your heart today is when God speaks to you, remember it. Build an altar, however that building looks to you. So when you're in a tough time, when you're in the wilderness, you can always turn around and be encouraged by what God has done in the past. Because if he's done it in the past, he's going to do it again. Because he is faithful because he is faithful. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Adonai. What is an amazing revelation about Abraham? You know, he, he, he went from the starting point, went to Shechem, built an altar, went from there, he went to Bethel, he built an altar. From there, famine came and he went to Egypt, and that to me signifies, you know, dryness, a spiritual dryness. But once that experience ended, where did he go right back to? He went right back to the exact same altar that he built. So the altars that we built, the reminders, the glory markers in our journey from glory to glory that we put up are places that we can go to when we're in a place of dryness. So we can go right back to that place. And you know what he did when he went back to that place? He called upon the name of the Lord again. Because that's the revelation he got there. So he, so he did that, and he went to this place of wandering. It's famine. He goes into Egypt, and all this crazy, weird, bad stuff is happening. And he goes, you know what? I'm going right back to where I called upon the name of the Lord. And that's why we build altars. Thank you, Adonai. There is a lot of, there's a lot of land in front of us. There's a lot of, we got a long way to go. <laughs> we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. Oh, this is going to change your life. Okay, so we are here. Like, this is where you are right now. This is where God is taking you to. 
That's that image of God that God is taking you to. We're being transformed into his image, he says, like the image of God is way over there. We are like way over here. Right? Can you relate to that, right? And we look at how far we have to go to, to, to get to that place. We're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I'm a mess. I don't know if, if I could do this. Oh, you got to hear this. I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. Okay. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps. That's not a step from here to there. That's like a long jump. That's a pole vault. The psalmist didn't say the long jump of the righteous man is ordered by the Lord. Now, if the Lord wants to grab us by our collar like I do with my cat when he's not behaving... And he goes, ah, and plop us there. The Holy Spirit certainly has the freedom to do that. But the steps of the righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. Steps. I'm going to tell you what is stopping us from recognizing that we've hit a glory in our journey from glory to glory. Because we see the end result. We see the author and the finisher of our faith. We see the... The, um, the, the, the end result, we see the end product, and we, we, we identify with like, how messed up we are, and we identify with all our sins, and, the, and when the sin that so easily besets us, besets us again, we get frustrated. But I tell you right now, and I believe this is from the Lord, don't forget to mark the steps. Because he doesn't always conquer at all. Okay, listen, in Deuteronomy 7, it says... You're going to take that land, guys. You're going to take that land. But if you become afraid, number one, remember what I did in Egypt. That's an altar, right? Remember what I did. That's an altar. Look behind you and see what I did. Number one, if you're afraid, look back, remember what I already did. Remember the salvation that I brought. Remember the deliverance that I brought. Remember that Pharaoh and his armies was nothing for me when air came out of my nostrils and spread and, and part of the waters. Remember who I am and be encouraged because of what I already did. And then also in Deuteronomy, he says, when I bring you into the land, I am not going to have you conquer it all at once. Anybody know that verse? I'm not going to have you conquer it all at once. I'm going to have you conquer it Little by little. In fact, he says that if I conquered it all at once, something bad's going to happen. He says that wild animals are going to come in. Which means that if he long jumped you from here to there, there's danger over here. This needs to be conquered little by little. And I'm going to tell you this, and if you're able to hear this and let this sink into the notebook in your heart versus the notebook in front of you, it will change your life. All right. So about 20 years ago, I was in a men's group when I lived in New Jersey, and a guy spoke about his addictions, and to keep it really, um, really anonymous, I'm going to pretend the addiction was alcohol, but it was not. He said, in this men's group, 
that he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does is he has a drink of alcohol. He then goes to work. He has alcohol in his drawer at his desk where he'll take a couple of shots during his workday. Lunch is 100% a liquid lunch. Goes home, has a liquid dinner. Before bed, to help him sleep, he'll have some more alcohol. Wakes up the next morning, it's the same thing. He was out of control in his alcoholism. Fully out of control in his alcoholism. It was over, and he was a believer. And he prayed to God. And he said, God, deliver me. Deliver me from this. My life is not lining up with your scripture. We are supposed to have dominion over the natural, and the natural is having dominion over me right now. Because that's what addiction is. It's natural having dominion over you instead of you having dominion over natural. That's what addiction is. And he said, it's not lining up. I, I can't do it. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed for years. He said, God, deliver me from this alcoholism. I'm, I'm doing it in the morning. I'm doing it at night. I'm doing it at work when I'm supposed to be focusing on work. I am paid to go to work and do an excellent job. And here I am sneaking shots at work. My life is out of control. It seemed so, it's just so overwhelmingly impossible. I mean, he didn't think he was like out the door over there. Like, like he didn't even think he was in Grantham, Pennsylvania, and that the, the end result is over here. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody knows what I'm saying. Okay. That's, that's good, because if, when the Spirit writes in your heart, I don't care if you're listening with your ears. I'm, I'm just praying it's going to be written on your heart. So he was so far away from the goal because he saw where he was and he saw that in his alcoholism he was just so messed up and there was so much to do and he was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and finally the Lord spoke to him. Glory, altar. He heard the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, I want you to stop drinking at work. And his response was, what about my drinks in the morning? What about my drinks at night? What about my drinks before bedtime? What about my drinks at two in the morning when I get up and I go sneak something? And God said, that's for the future. Don't worry about that right now. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. And today, the Lord is saying, can you not drink at work? He said, no, this doesn't make any sense to me. I need to kick the whole thing. And God said, I am. I will kick this whole thing. Today, I'm asking you to not drink at work. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are interim glories in your journey from glory to glory. And when, and when God said, can you stop drinking at work, peace came over this van, this man, this vessel. And he said... I can do that. I can't conquer the whole thing. But if all today, God, you're asking me to do is to stop drinking at work and you're telling me don't even worry about my morning and evening drinks, I can do that. And he stopped. And he never had a drink at work again. That's an altar.
that's a glory in, your, in his story. See, they say that when the preachers rhyme, it's really anointed. That's in the manual. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had victory. Oh, it wasn't full victory. He was still drinking. But man, was it victorious. And he can praise the Lord from that altar, from that glory, and say, the Lord has delivered me. What do you mean you were delivered? You're still drinking in the morning. You're still drinking at night. Wife's still really upset at him. That's coming. And it was. A couple of years later, he still wasn't drinking at work. But again, he was overwhelmed in his own sin and, and, and looking how far he still had to go and looking at where he was, even though he stopped drinking at work. And he looked at all his other, his, his life and how much he was drinking alcohol and how out of control he was. And the Spirit of God spoke to him again. And God said to him, can you stop drinking in the morning? Do you understand what I'm saying here? And he said, what about when I go home at night? What about when I'm supposed to be sleeping next to my beautiful wife and I'm, I'm still drinking in a bar? He said, I'm not asking you to conquer that now. The children of Israel conquered the Canaanites little by little by little. I'm asking you today, today if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today I'm asking you, can you not drink in the morning? And he said, if that's what you're asking me to do, I'll do it. There are people in this hearing right now that are struggling. They're struggling with the sin that so easily besets you. You're struggling with the sin that so easily besets you. You're struggling with something that's very, very overwhelming, and you don't even know how you're going to get to the end point because you see yourself so far over here. I am telling you, listen to the voice of the Lord. You have a glory marker, an altar forthcoming. And don't miss it because it's not the whole thing yet. Little by little will the Israelites conquer the land. God has a city for you to take today. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't despise. Oh my, you know what verse I hate the most? Don't despise the day of small things. You know, it's so misunderstood. Do you know what, what it really means when Zechariah said, are you, you who despise the day of small things? He was talking about the second temple and people like, well, oh, I don't like it. I like the King David, King Solomon temple better. When he said, don't despise the day of small things, he wasn't saying that it's really small. He was saying that it's big. Don't call small what God has called big. Don't call ordinary what God has called extraordinary. Do you understand? Don't belittle what God has called victory. Hallelujah. That's what he says. So just don't despise, don't despise the day of small things. You could take that, don't despise the day of small things and put it somewhere else. Because when God delivers me from alcoholism, it just, just a little bit. That's no small thing. That's a big thing. That's an altar. You're depressed. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't kick the depression. And then God will speak to you maybe even right now. It says joy comes in the morning. Can you not be depressed just in the morning? And if you say, this depression is way too big for me. I, 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 can't, I don't even know how to do it. But if all you're asking me to do with my depression is to not be depressed in the morning, 
and you're just gonna letting me and you're just let me be depressed for the rest of the day. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna despise that. I'm not gonna say that's a small thing because if you conquer your depression in the morning, that is victory. That is victory. Build an altar. So when you're struggling later on, you could look back and say, God has delivered me. He has brought me joy in the morning. And I choose joy. Oh, we need to become a pro-choice movement, don't we? How many here are pro-choice? I choose joy. I choose victory. I choose to live in the faithfulness of God. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. And don't be afraid to move forward. What time is it, Susie Cusie? Oh, all right. And don't be afraid to move forward. Listen, there are a lot of people that are stuck. You know why they're stuck? Because they're afraid to move forward. The steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord, which means that don't be afraid to take a step. Don't be afraid to take a step. I'm going to tell you a little bit. I'm going to tell you a, a sentence that sounds very holy, but really it's just religious and dead. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you've been unemployed for three years. Why don't you get a job? I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. You know, if God is telling you to wait for him, then it's a holy thing. If you're, if you're just stuck because you're afraid to move forward or if it's something in the flesh and you're disguising it in this religious statement that you're waiting on the Lord, that's not from God. Yeshua HaMashiach has already walked that path. Look at the footsteps in front of you and recognize that he's already walked that path. He's already walked the path. Don't be afraid to move forward. God will correct you. This is what you do. You say, Adonai, I don't know which way to go. Remember, when Abraham first started his journey, God said where he's coming from with great detail. didn't tell him anything about where he's going to. So which way do you start? Do I go north? Do I go south? Do I, which, which way do I go? God's just saying, just take a step. And listen to this, because I believe this is something you also need to write on the notebook of your hearts. When you take a step, there will be greater clarity from that place. Always. Even if the clarity is you got to go back again. Don't be afraid. Do you understand that? I mean, like, uh, at some point, I'm going to need to get from here to that exit. And I, I got a path over here. And I got a path over here. I got a path over here. And if God gives me the spiritual gift of flying, I could jump onto that balcony and go down the steps. But that's not really much of a choice. <laughs> which way do we go? Wasn't there a cartoon character? Which, which way do we go? <laughs> which way do I go? Isn't that a cartoon character? Which way do we go? Ah, so listen, how many have been in a place where you need to get somewhere and there's multiple decisions to make? There's multiple paths before you and you don't know which way to go. I'm waiting on the Lord. There's a scene from Lord of the Rings where they were in the tunnel and Gandalf is kind of waiting on the, you know, smoking his pipe. And all of a sudden after a couple days it goes, oh, that way. Here's what I want to tell you in the name of Yeshua. Don't be afraid to take a step forward. If you're stuck and you don't know which way to go in your life and you have multiple things, you have multiple things you can do, you have multiple choices set before you, don't be afraid 
to, to go a step. Give the Holy Spirit permission to correct you and say, I'm going to go in faith this way. And if the Holy Spirit says, once you're there, you got to go back, guess what direction that whole journey was? Forward. That is forward. I guarantee you that if you take a step, one step, in faith, you will have greater clarity of where he is taking you from that place. So don't be afraid to take that step. And my final statement here, and I'll close in prayer, is in the journey of our Messianic movement, I believe we are hitting, in our journey from glory to glory, I believe we are hitting another glory, big time, as a movement, as a body, in the overall body of Messiah. A couple of months ago, God gave me this vision for revival, and, I, you know, and I've been hearing revival for a long time, and I'm not much of a revival type of guy. You know, I'm just, I don't want to speak out, oh, revival, revival, if it's not really like the Lord speaking to me. And I really felt that God is going to bring revival. I believe that we're entering into a phase where Yeshua is going to be high and lifted up in this land that we haven't seen in a long time. And I know that there's trouble coming, trouble schmubble. I've, I've instructed my congregation that if you ever want to sound Jewish, take any word and then repeat it with an S-H-M before it. And it's, it's Jewish humor. Give me a word, table, table schmabel, right? Always funny. It's always funny. Where was I? <laughs> so revival, I believe that we're in a place where the body of Messiah is going to be exploding. I believe we're in a place where Yeshua is going to be high and lifted up. I believe that we're going to see Jew and Gentile together, the one new man, like we've never seen before in 2,000 years. I believe that... The Spirit of God is going to be activated in Messianic Judaism like we haven't seen. God gave me a vision a couple of months ago where the Spirit of God is like fruit. And that's quite biblical, actually, because, you know, they have the fruit of the Spirit. So picture fruit being the things of the Spirit. Miracles, healings, prophecy, words being given to strangers saying, I think God is telling you this, and them crying in a good way. Things of the Spirit, fruit. Messianic Judaism, since its, it's, since its revival about you know, 50 years ago or so, we've been really good in tending to the roots. The roots. The root is the Torah. The root is the land of Israel. The root is, is the, the Tanakh. We've been really good at, 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 at tending to the roots. And the church has been really good at the fruit thing. But I believe that we are in a time that the fruit is going to be reconnected to the root. And in a way where with the fruit connected to the root, you are going to see expansion and growth in that fruit, in the spiritual fruit, like we haven't seen in 2,000 years. And we are in a time, I believe, when Yeshua the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, in this land is going to be lifted up very high for all the world to see. And Messianic Judaism is going to come into a fullness that it hasn't seen since the time of the apostles. We are entering into a glory, into an altar, into a season. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me speak a blessing over you. 
See, when newcomers, Gentile newcomers come to my congregation and I, I make the letter Shin, you know, when I do the ironic blessing, like, like in this place, I don't need to explain it. But then after I do it with the Gentile newcomers that come into the congregation, what's that? Tell me. Am I done? Your turn. Can I speak a blessing real quick? Okay. So, so, when, the, so when the Gentiles come into my congregation and I, I give the blessing with this thing, they always come up to me after and they say, what is that Illuminati sign that you just gave at the end of the service? And I got to explain it. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And thank you for coming on uh, the morning after a midnight McKedem concert. You guys rock. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the Prince of Peace. Shalom.